I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there or meet them at a trade show or even have a conference call so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them now at 514-488-3618 and see how Research FDI can help you create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot. Welcome to this week's episode of the Next Move Group We Are Jobs podcast. This is Chad Chancellor, co-founder of Next Move Group. Today we've got Gabby Moulis joining us. She's the director of marketing for Next Move Group. So Gabby, welcome to the program. Hey Chad, thanks for having me today. So normally Gabby's the behind the scenes person that makes us all sound good. And so today she's on the show. So if you don't sound good, Gabby, it's your own fault since you get the editing power. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm used to being behind the camera, so to speak. <laughs> so Gabby's been with us about a year and our company has grown almost double. So she's been part of this explosive growth. And many of our listeners are noticing all the new marketing stuff we're doing and and we hired Gabby out of the private sector. So she came to us not having any economic development expertise, but she came to us with experience working, I believe, wasn't it for the ABC News Channel in New Orleans, Gabby? Yes, yes. I worked for the local ABC affiliate, WGNO, and the CW in New Orleans. So she's bringing us that kind of marketing expertise, which is really helping us. So tell these folks a little bit about your background. I know you graduated from LSU, so I get bragging rights. Even though we just lost to Arkansas, I still get bragging rights over LSU. And so talk about kind of what interests you in marketing, you know, what your degree was, and then uh, what you did with the TV station before you joined Next Move Group. So I grew up in New Orleans. I was actually born in Mississippi, but I am an avid LSU fan. Yes, we did lose to Mississippi State, but I will say that we are a very young team. Um, and we just lost a lot of our good players and, and our good coaches. So that is part of the reason why we lost. I will have to add that in there. I went to LSU, majored in mass communications with a concentration in public relations and a minor in business administration. Basically, I went into communications because I really hated math. <laughs> that was honestly the, the first reason why I went into that. And I knew that I liked talking to people and I was good at that. That was all, that was really the only base that I had with that. <laughs> 
I graduated from LSU within four years and got a job at a local news station doing digital media advertising and national TV advertising. I didn't do anything with advertising at LSU either, so I guess that's kind of a pattern of mine is to not do anything that I majored in, but I learned a lot through that, which is really kind of what led me here today because I learned a lot about digital advertising and pulled me into this. I knew Brandon from a mutual friend. She told me that you guys were looking for someone and that's kind of how I ended up here. And yeah. So had you ever even heard of economic development before we hired you or was this a totally foreign concept? No, it was a completely foreign concept. Honestly, I talked to Brandon about it once. Him and I were at a party and we were talking about what he did and I still, still did not know. I went into the interview. I kind of knew because I had gone through the website and everything. Well, there's so many people gets into this field that don't know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, few people do like Brandon and go get an education in their 4.0s in economic development. Most of us bounce into it, right. not having any earthly idea whatsoever. And we've always had success. I mean, as I think back in my career, I've always had success hiring people that really didn't know it, but knew other skills and got mm-hmm. into it. So I know last week or two weeks ago, you did the Southern Miss basic economic development course. So what'd you learn? Did that tie anything together for you? What'd you learn into that as a total newcomer into our business? It was a really great course. I did wish that it could have been in person, but it was virtual, but they did a really great job putting it together. The team did. I learned a lot. I would say that coming in as a complete newcomer was definitely, I think it was an advantage and disadvantage. I had the marketing background that I think a lot of people in the course may not have 100% had, but at the same time, everyone else had all the other skills that I didn't have. But working for the Next Move group for the past nine months helped me out a lot going into the course. There were a lot of things that if I had just taken that course without any economic development experience at all, I think I would have been way more lost. But going into the course, I knew a lot about the marketing aspect of economic development since that's what we do. But I learned a lot more about tax incentives and just industries and utilities and how it is all kind of wrapped together and how elected officials work together with economic developers or do not work with them and vice versa. So I think I learned a lot more about the details of that and how it kind of works all behind the scenes. You lived in New Orleans during Katrina. Now we got another hurricane pointed at us. So let's hope there's yeah. not another one, not another <laughs> Katrina out there. But uh, as you think back now, I mean, I know you and I've had this talk before. You didn't understand that there was an economic development. Now, looking back, New Orleans has grown so much after Katrina. A lot of it's been the tax incentives and all and the disaster stuff. So talk about living through that and then watching the city bounce back. Because a lot of what happened after that were principles in economic development. So just talk about living here and then seeing the city bounce back. When Katrina hit, I was pretty young. I was probably, I was about 12 whenever it hit. It was definitely quite an experience, I would say. I mean, it hit and my family, we actually went to Mississippi whenever it happened and they got hit, I think, pretty badly as well. We went to Jackson, Mississippi there because we still had friends there. After that, we ended up going to DC and stayed with my grandma there and I was there for probably about two or three months. Going back home, it was a totally different place than when we had left. Our whole bottom floor was completely flooded. Most of my friends lost their houses. Most of my friends had to move. I mean, I think a very popular conversation with my friends was that my parents, they can't get their jobs back or basically if there's going to be another hurricane, they weren't going to come back. There was a lot of that talk just because it really affected people's lives. Because I was so young, I didn't see completely firsthand how the economic development really affected everything. But now knowing everything that I do, I can see that it really did just because 
I can't even imagine having to keep all of those existing industries that were here, how to convince them to stay. There were so many reasons to leave at that time because there was, I mean, there was no power for months. There was no water. I mean, there was flooding everywhere. It was just, it was really bad. So, I mean, crime had gone up, but there were so many things that were going wrong in the city. So props to everyone that had an impact on keeping all those industries that were here and then recruiting industries after that, for sure. Well, you're, you're right. I mean, think of all the economic development partners, the power companies, the mm-hmm. utilities. I mean, just everything that had to happen from total, total devastation. But mm-hmm. you're right. Some people didn't have jobs even if they wanted to come back. I mean, New Orleans lost right. a lot of population when that happened. Most of it's bounced back. But right when it happened, a lot of people lost jobs. What part of the city did y'all live in when you flooded? We're in Metairie. So we're right on the lakeside by the levee. So our house got about six inches of water and then an oak tree fell in our house. A lot of my friends that lived in the Lakeview area, they got complete total flooding. Their houses yeah. were gone. So when you moved to DC, did y'all, did you enroll in school or because that was before kind of all this whole virtual stuff we're doing with COVID, did you enroll in school or just skip a semester or how, how did all that happen? Yes, I definitely enrolled in school. My mom would have had it no other way. It was kind of convenient because my dad grew up in that area. We were really in, I say D.C., but we were in Arlington, Virginia, which is right outside of D.C. My dad grew up over there since he was an Army brat and he was all over the place, but his final destination was in Arlington, Virginia. But yeah, so went to school there and was there for a few months going to school. And then as soon as the schools opened here, we moved back pretty much right away. My dad came back way earlier, kind of get everything ready just because there was mold all over the walls and things. So they had to take down, knock down a lot of the walls and replace them and stuff. So they wanted to do that before my brother and I had come back. So how long would you say it took before kind of New Orleans felt back to normal? Three years, four years? How long did it take? Say it took about two years to really feel a little more normal because schools had to rebuild. I mean, there were schools going back, there were schools that combined. I say my school reopened, but other schools did not reopen. So many schools had to combine schools. They have a lot of all boy and all girl schools here. And some of those had to combine here. People were in trailers working. People were going to school in trailers. There were FEMA trailers everywhere. A lot of my friends and their family members lived in trailers. It was just a very common thing because they didn't have a house. So you had to live somewhere. Thank you, Gabby. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners and be right back with a lot more with Gabby Mulise right after this. I want to thank Location One. Some folks know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. Location One has, in my opinion, the best building and sites database in the economic development industry. I am often asked by economic developers, Chad, if you were an economic developer again, what would be the first thing you'd do? And it is without question, without question, first thing I'd do would be put my builders and sites on Lois. And let me tell you why that would be. Number one, I always did economic development in small to mid-sized towns, and one of our struggles was just getting eyeballs on our property. That was our struggle. Lois overcomes that struggle for you. So the mistake I used to make is I would just put my buildings and sites on the state economic development database. Well, every time I did economic development, I was close to a border, so I was basically bordered another state. And anybody looking for buildings just across the way in the other state wouldn't find my buildings because I only had it on my state economic development website. I couldn't have made a dumber move looking back, but hey, it's what I did. 
When you advertise your buildings and sites on Lois, it goes to a nationwide database. So prospects looking for a certain site or certain building in the whole country can find you based on the parameters they put in. If they're looking at a radius, they're probably going to find you if they're looking in the state next door if your building or site is on Lois. It's also the most responsive friendly I have seen. So I love looking at buildings and sites on my iPad. I much rather look on my iPad when we're doing site selection work in the field than on my computer. Computer. And I have found Lois is basically the only big buildings and sites database I've found that works well on my iPad. A lot of the other ones, they just don't work as well. They tear the thing down. They don't remember your, your search query. If you put in 50,000 feet and you back it out, it forgets it. They're just hard to deal with. Lois is not. It's easy to use. It's just as easy for economic developers as it is site selectors. It walks you through inserting your information. So it tells you, place your gas line information here. Place your water line information here so you don't have to guess. You don't have to know code to make this thing work. But most importantly, once you push save, once you enter your information, it's going to go in a nationwide database, which is going to get a ton, a ton of eyeballs on your builders and sites, way more than you'd get on them on your own if you just put it on your website or advertise it on the state economic development website. It also inputs ESRI data for radiuses of your buildings and sites. So a prospect's not just looking at a building or site when they find your information. They can actually see information about your labor force. You don't even have to put it in there. It does it for you automatically. This is the best buildings and sites database I have found. I encourage you to go to location1.com, sign up for a demo, see how this thing works. Transition to location one. You'll be real happy you did. Well, let's talk a little bit now about working for a small company. So you work for the, the big television station. A lot of times those aren't as big as they seem, but when everybody sees TV, they think, oh, that's a huge operation. Now you're working for a small company and, and we do marketing kind of everywhere in the world. We do online marketing, we do videos, we do podcasts. So talk about kind of what interests you in working for a small company and some of the stuff you've learned because you're kind of on the front lines of this as opposed to, you know, being part of a big organization. There's definitely a big difference. And that was one of the things that drawed me to you guys working for a big corporation. It's really great coming out of college because you learn a lot because you have so many people that are above you. So you're always working and you're kind of, you're getting to see how big corporations work, how it goes from all the way top to all the way bottom. But you are the, I mean, I was the little man because I was just starting out. I would say news stations, the local news stations, especially when you're seeing them on TV, they seem like they're foreign, but working there now, when I watch the TV, I'm like, oh, hey, I know it's so-and-so. Oh, I know it's so-and-so. <laughs> it's actually a lot of the advertisements that, that you see local advertisements are usually the salespeople that are in those ads. So that's always kind of funny. When I see ads on TV, I usually know the people that are in them because they're always local advertisers and salespeople. Moving to Next Move Group, that was a big transition for me just because I kind of went from having my assigned jobs to having a bunch of jobs. That's kind of part of growing and learning in, in the work world. So it's definitely been a huge growing experience and I am very appreciative of it. Thank you, Gabby. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners and be right back with a lot more with Gabby Mulise right after this. On June 4th, Next Move Group launched a new initiative called The Movement, which is really designed to do three different things. One, help economic developers improve their quality of lives by making more money. Two, helping economic development organizations land more deals. And three, by helping economic development organizations recruit jobs back home from China. 
You have probably seen emails of various different video courses that we're sending out as part of the movement. And I'll tell you, so far, the two most popular courses have been these. One, board training for economic development board members and elected officials. What are their proper roles and responsibilities? And more importantly, what their roles and responsibilities are not. And our other bestseller so far has been how to help small to mid-sized rural communities build a systemic machine-like program to land manufacturing plants, where they don't just land one manufacturing plant, but where they land many manufacturing plants. We are selling these just one right after the next. So one, thank you. We have actually sold about 300% more memberships and revenue than we anticipated we would sell at this point in time. So thank you to all of our members. If you've not joined the movement, go to thenextmovegroup.com backslash movement to learn more about it. Thenextmovegroup.com backslash movement. You can either join on a monthly basis and receive all our content at once or you can just buy one piece of content at a time that's the next move backslash movement and one thing that we tell gabby and brandon both is uh, we want y'all to make mistakes you're, you're not ever going to learn if you just if you don't make mistakes and so that's probably been different i, I bet when you work for big corporate that, that was the opposite i bet they didn't like mistakes so has that no. been a different mindset coming to work for a small company in that regard yeah <laughs> definitely not working for a big corporation they did not like mistakes especially with advertising um Basically, a lot of how this is national advertising, how it worked for that particular station, whenever something was to go wrong or if an advertisement ran how it wasn't supposed to run, it was your fault. We're the yeah. opposite. I, and, you know, I think, about, opposite. I think about sports and, and we, we tell and I've been this way, not just with y'all when I used to run economic development. I, I tell our staff, it's like basketball. You get five fouls. My mother taught me this. Apparently, she was a real rough player when she played basketball as a kid. She used to get lots of fouls. And the coach finally told her, if you fell out of another game, I'm putting you on the bench. And so then she, like, foul nobody. And then he was like, you're not fouling enough. <laughs> you know, there's an there's epic. I want you to make a few mistakes. I'd rather you be aggressive and make a mistake than not be aggressive and do nothing. That's the way I look at it. But I find that oftentimes takes a big mindset adjustment with young professionals. Because, you know, when you're a kid, you're taught, don't talk to the stranger. In school, you know, don't make mistakes. And so that kind of, that's a new mindset. Mm -hmm, definitely. It was definitely a big transition for me in the beginning, for sure. Chad always tells Brandon and I to make aggressive mistakes. And uh, if you're going to mess up, mess up fast. And that way you can fix it fast. I think it's a really great learning experience because I definitely was a very cautious person. And I'm still kind of a cautious person when it comes to things. But I've definitely become more willing and able to just make mistakes and know that I'm going to learn from them versus to not do anything at all. And I think that's definitely helped me. So let's transition now into kind of giving our listeners some free advice. So Gabby handles the video interview process for executive searches that we do. And we just won one today in Alabama. You all will be hearing about soon. So Gabby has, uh, I don't know, you've probably videoed now literally hundreds. Because when you joined yes. us last year, we were doing <laughs> like 20. Yeah, I mean, I mm -hmm. would say thousands. You've probably videoed thousands of people mm -hmm. interviewing for economic development jobs. So if you had to give tips to folks, what would some of your top two or three tips be to getting through that? People are getting better at video now with Zoom. Mm -hmm. A year ago, people were really struggling with it, but I still feel like they're not perfect. So what, what tips would you give to people if they got to do a video interview? Number one is be prepared. Wherever you are, the background is good. It's not messy. You don't have stuff everywhere. You don't have people kind of yelling or anything like that in the background. Make sure that your lighting's good just so we can see your face. You know, we present these two committees. And I think a lot of times, 
and I, and I do try to explain that before, you know, while I'm doing the interview, I always say, you know, it's not going to be, it's not me that you were trying to impress. You're trying to impress the committee right now. And whenever you're just showing this video, if they can't, if it's completely dark and they can't see your face then it's just going to look kind of silly and we just don't want anything to count against you. Make sure that, that wherever you are, the internet can at least kind of work. You know, not everything's going to be perfect. And I don't expect that since a lot of our people that are applying for jobs come from rural areas and sometimes they don't have great internet access there. I mean, just practice beforehand, you know, Zoom with a friend, Zoom with a coworker, anyone that you feel comfortable enough telling them that you're interviewing for a job, just practice Zoom with them and say, hey, can I Zoom you real quick? I just want to make sure this works. Just so you know, make sure that your sound works and your camera works. So that way, whenever you do have the interview with the person that you can be ready right away. The one thing that I will say that I have noticed, and I have, like Chad said, I've probably interviewed thousands at this point. I have interviewed CEOs of large state organizations and I have interviewed people just starting out and they are all nervous. I have had CEOs tell me, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, I'm just really nervous right now. So it ne <laughs> never ends. Every everyone is uncomfortable with interviews, no matter who you are or how long you've been working. That is one thing that I have for sure noticed across the board. Yeah. So it's okay to be nervous, you know, yes. expect that maybe practice a little, figure out how you want to handle it. And I will say once we go to the in-person interview, which you've done some of those with us too, a lot of times the committee interviewing you is also nervous. Most mm -hmm. of them don't sit around and interview people all day, every day. Usually the only people not nervous is us. <laughs> so, right. so yeah, I, I think Gabby's got a good point. Not that you want to fear being nervous, but, mm -hmm. but if you're a little nervous, don't feel so bad about it. You can even right. make a little joke. You can even mm -hmm. make a little joke. I'm a little nervous. I hope I'm coming yeah. across right. I mean, because a lot of times everybody in there is nervous, but us. <laughs> you know, so, exactly. Yeah. So you've been with us about a year now. Unfortunately, you only got to work in office about three months before the COVID hit. So you've been working from home since. But what, what has surprised you about working with us? What do you think would surprise the public? What, have, what has surprised you that you didn't know until you uh, got on board? I think what surprised me probably the most was how many clients that Next Move Group has that are across the country. You know, when I first started coming from New Orleans, most people that work for companies, a lot of their clients are in Mississippi or Alabama or just kind of really located to the Southeast, really. But I mean, Next Move Group has clients all the way from Washington State to Maine, like everywhere across the board. So that was a really, that was really cool to see that for sure. Well, thank you, Gabby. You folks are going to be seeing more and more of Gabby as we really up our online marketing presence. So, uh, you know, we're, we're discussing literally on a weekly, if not daily basis, how can we do more? How can we do more? And Gabby's in charge of a whole lot of that. So we just gave her a big pay raise. And trust me, she likes it. She's saving more in her retirement than any of us. So she's going to end up, she's going to end up being the richest person. <laughs> Our retirement broker called me. He was like, this girl's going to end up having more money. She's saving her whole check in, uh, in her retirement. So we just gave her a big pay raise. And so we're very happy with her performance. And you're going to be seeing more of her as we do more and more marketing stuff. We probably hadn't even thought of yet we're trying to learn how to do now. So Gabby, thank you for being with us. Anything you'd like to share with our audience as we conclude that I didn't ask you about? No, but just been enjoying my time at Next Move Group and I'm about to make a year with you guys next month. So that's right. Hey, it's, yeah, time flies. And yeah. so we put it totally on Brandon to hire Gabby. And Brandon's mm -hmm. our vice president. He's been on our show in the past. You all will be familiar with him, Brandon and Gabby on our news. And so we totally mm -hmm. tasked it with him to hire Gabby. 
And I think she would tell you he pretty much did. I sat in on one interview and I, I said, yeah, let's hire her. And so <laughs> I'm very Yeah, y'all called me when I was in the parking lot. <laughs> I left and y'all said, you got the job. I was like, wait, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, well, you'll learn when I want to do something, I do it. Yeah. That's, 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 we don't wait around. Well, yeah, so, uh, Brandon wanted to hire you and we interviewed you. Yeah. And you left and he said, what do you think? I said, hire her and I left. And that was that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> but you know that's uh i don't know that may surprise people sometimes people mm -hmm. assume i'm like a micromanager but i mean mm -hmm. i let brandon hire you and that was that and so at yeah. some point we probably gonna need to hire somebody else i'm gonna i'm gonna leave it to y'all well gabby thank you for being with us today now you get to go edit this and away <laughs> we go thanks dad 